Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking Today. Craig Malasso and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. How are you doing, Danny? What's going on, buddy? Good to see you again. Good to be seen. You know, it's uh, it was a beautiful, absolutely, a little, maybe a little warm, but I'm never one to complain about the heat. Um, how, how about you? How about you guys? Are you got? Some, I mean, I see you got a jacket on. Is your house that cold? I just really like this jacket. It's nice and warm and just gives me a nice cozy feeling. I get it. So am I going to have to get you one of those Amazon, Amazon hug things that you see the commercials? I don't think you're going to have to worry about that. I don't want to feel like a green bean. Okay. Let's talk some baseball, man. Uh, where do we start? Let's talk. Let's usually we, we, we end with you or, or the Cajuns, but let's start off Troy at Georgia Southern. 24 to one on Friday night. And I looked their starting pitcher. Uh, what was it? Uh, 11 hits, 13 runs, 12 of them earned. Yeah, it, it started with Jesse Sherrill getting on base with a double. He fell off a couple of two strike pitches, then dumped a double inside the line and left. And then after that, it was just one after the other after the other. The first five guys all got hits, and it was really good contact. You know, the Eagles hadn't played since the previous Sunday. They didn't have a midweek, and then Friday's game got called off because of bad weather, so it was the first of a doubleheader. But to start like that, to get seven in the first and then eight more in the third, to probably say, okay, this one's going to be Georgia Southerns. It's just a matter of how much it's going to be Georgia Southerns. But everybody seemed to have a part in it. Ty Fisher was really good with his seven innings, and he was able to work pretty quickly despite having such a big lead. And you wonder how guys are going to be, whether they're behind or they're up by that much. But the offense just didn't quit, and they just kept adding to it. Uh, Corey Dowdell got his first career home run, a three-run bomb. Big freshman who's going to have a chance to step in maybe as soon as next year and get more action. But it was, it was really nice to see the offense come together like that and just hit so many balls hard all game long. How long was the game, though? I, I, did it last a long time, did I, or did it keep moving? That game was just over three hours, I think. Okay, so not bad, not bad. Sometimes those games, when you get in that and you get a lot of pitching changes and everything, but I'm sure Troy was at the point where they were like, okay, this is over with. We're not going to waste our arms. We've got two more games to play. Well, the spot that they were in, their ace, Garrett Gaines, had gotten hurt the weekend before against Georgia State. He threw that first pitch in the third inning, and we were wondering if we were going to see him. But when they announced that Brady Fuller was going to start game one, Rigsby Mosley was going game two, we thought, okay, Gaines probably isn't going to go. They were a little bit short, and knowing that it was the first of a doubleheader and it got that big of a deficit, think that they kind of said, look, you're going to need to wear this a little bit because we can't use our best arms right now. You got to try to eat some outs regardless of how many runs George Southern adds to this. So was he just, I mean, was that, was the moment too big for him? You think it was that his first Friday night start or was it just. Well, it, it, it had to be since Gaines had been the guy for the whole season, but they had done this before because they played five double headers. Now they've switched. Fuller and Mosley a couple of different times their mindset is let the freshman go see what he can do to start things off have the veteran come in behind to either sweep a double header or if you need to help you split it because he's got all that experience even though Mosley didn't just start pitching until you know, right around maybe a month a month and a half ago but the way that it worked out Georgia Southern just dominated so well in that first game and even though they got behind in game two they stuck with the approach got some big two out hits 
late in the sixth inning in the second game and then finished it off yesterday for the sweep. 42 runs on a weekend. Is is that any type of record for Georgia Southern that you know of? No, there, there are some of those gorilla ball days where they were scoring 50 runs in a weekend and they weren't batting an eyelash. I think there's one time they had 60 runs in a weekend. So the, it, it was ever since the bat changed, it, it's, it's probably one of the more impressive offensive weekends. But what made it stand out the most, Troy came into the weekend, number one of the conference in ERA. Yeah. And to watch the Eagles put so many barrels on so many pitches after relatively struggling the week before dropping three of five games, it seems like the guys are back on track. And I don't know how up-to-date the Sunbelt stats are right now. Uh, but when I looked at them last uh, last night, uh, about 10 o'clock, and on my spreadsheet here, the Cajuns actually have the best ERA in the conference, which is – and I, I don't remember how I had my spreadsheet set up, if that was conference-only games or uh, all games. But at, that, at one time, you know, we were up there pretty good. And that's uh, the let, – let's move right into that. The Cajun pitching staff this weekend – Phenomenal job by uh, Brandon Talley starting out on a Friday night. Jacob Schultz just shoved it up their behinds on Saturday. And then Sunday, uh, uh, Jeff Wilson did a good job. So um, got out of a little trouble. Three not, three runs in the first inning. But uh, let's talk Cajuns and UTA. I, I was wondering exactly what Arlington was going to be able to do on the road. Uh, going in, you're thinking, okay, the Cajuns got to sweep this because Texas State's been hot as ever. Georgia Southern's been playing well. Coastal Carolina might be the other hottest team in the league outside of Texas State. But to see three wins, to see three one-run wins, to see two walk-off wins, that's the ability to win in close situations. And Arlington has not been able to do that on the road, even though I think they pitched as well as they possibly could. Using all their top guys, not very many, but you know that David Moffat out of the bullpen is going to be pitching at least two of those games because that's their best chance to at least get one victory on weekends. But I like what King and Wong did and with WinQuest being up and down in the back end, but to be able to at least give themselves a chance to win maybe two of those games, you don't like seeing anybody struggle, but I know it's been a struggle for Arlington all year, especially away from home. Yeah, they, they have. And, you know, they played well. Uh, they played well enough. I mean, they had some defensive issues, but the Cajuns did as well on Sunday. So I'm not. I'm not going to tell you anything that you don't know. I mean, Arlington's not a very good team right now, but they played pretty good baseball this weekend. It was it, first time since 1963 that the Cajuns played uh, the same team on a weekend in uh, all one one all one run games that the Cajuns won. Now. And then you throw Wong in there, and there's no telling what I'm going to say here, and it's going to be wrong. So, sorry. It is it is early in the morning right now. Well, not not that early, but it's still uh, it's still heat stroke from yesterday. I'll say. So, um, I guess I'm not surprised that in baseball, I think people forget that the other team gets to play as well. I mean, but I'm not surprised in baseball. I, I did this with my, my brother asked me about it. And I said, you know, it, it's not football or basketball. You can't hold the ball. Can't kneel it. You can't run out the clock. Uh, you know, you've, and the other team gets to play and the other team has scholarship players. So I'm just a little surprised that Texas state is as, 
at, at record wise is as bad as they were were all year. And this week, it's almost an elimination series because Arlington hosts App State at Clay Gold Ballpark. Now, App does have a one-game lead on everybody else in the bottom two, but if Arlington has any chance of being in that top 10, they're going to have to, at minimum, win that series. They might need to sweep it, considering that they've got to come to Statesboro for the final weekend, Thursday through Saturday. It, it's, it's basically four teams for two spots. Arkansas State is one game back of them. ULM, UT Arlington are separated by a half game, and then App is a half a game ahead of ULM in ninth place. But I, I think it's those four teams that are for the bottom two spots. Little Rock seems like they're safe to get in at nine and 14, and that's where Georgia Southern is going this weekend. You've got basically a three-team quagmire for fifth place to try to stay out of the play-in round. It, it seems like Troy South and Georgia State, two of them are going to be five and six, and then the odd one out goes to the seventh spot and would play the 10 in the play-in round. But you've got the separation with the top four. It seems like the top four are going to be the top four. You just don't know in what order yet. And then Troy South and Georgia State are fighting for five through six. And then you've got really three teams that are fighting for seeding going from seven through nine. And then whoever's going to end up being that number 10 seed, you've got those bottom, really those bottom four. So a couple of teams are fighting in a couple of different fights. Yep. But who's going to end up where in terms of that bottom six? And you don't want to be the one of the two teams that miss, except especially if you're Arlington, because if they miss the tournament, then their Sunbelt membership is over. That's it for them. Correct. And, and a couple of weeks ago, it looked like that uh, UTA and Arlington were both going to miss that. So um, you, you mentioned App State. Let's go into that App State, Georgia State. Um, I thought finally, and I, I know it, it's still App State, but, you know, Georgia State 12 to 1 on, on Friday, 4 to 2 Saturday. Uh, not surprised at all that App State was able to bounce back. For some, for some reason, App State has a way of winning on Sundays. I mean, you and, saw it, your game. We saw it in ours. And Georgia State continues to try to tinker with that weekend rotation. They went Mason Patel for game three. They had already taken those first two looking for a sweep. Patel only gets one out, gives up four runs. So Georgia State was already behind the eight ball, and then App State adds two runs in the second, two more in the third. State did what it could in the middle innings. But for somebody like a Jason Kornatzer, who's been as high as the number one guy in the rotation at times this year, he started on Sunday, and he wasn't great. He gave up six runs over five innings, but because of the early outburst, it was enough. And it turned out that that's a pretty important win for App, because if they would have gotten swept, then it's even more of a touchy spot in that bottom four to see who doesn't make the tournament. Now, App's got to go to UT Arlington this weekend, so... That, that's one where, are they better than UTA? Maybe by a little bit, but if Arlington has done anything worthwhile, it has been at home this season. And, and honestly, they played well this weekend. Uh, I'm pulling for, for, for Arlington for the simple fact of, uh, you know, our friend Josh Sowers, love to see him at the conference oh, yeah. tournament. And uh, I know he was disappointed that he wasn't able to come in this weekend. So... Little Rock Coastal, it seems like things are heating up in Conway, huh? I yeah, mean, they're, they're, they're cooking. They're, they're, they're good right now. I mean, 15 runs, nine runs, then 19 runs. Um, 
I know it was a little rock team, but at the same time, that that's a lot of runs to put up. I don't care who you're playing. Well, in game one, they did it mostly against Hayden Arnold, who, remember, was the pitcher of the year in this league last year. Yep. He's very good at home, and Georgia Southern's going to have to deal with that on Friday out at Gary Hogan Field. Game two, Little Rock scored five runs in the ninth inning to tie the game, and you thought, okay, they're going to even the series because that, that team can hit. They've always been able to hit. They've got Nick Williams. They've got Dickerson. They've got Hussein. They've got guys that can really slug, but then bottom of the ninth inning, Walk off home run because in Conway, no fly ball is ever safe. Yep. And in game three, Little Rock goes up nine to three in the fifth inning. They're pounding Coastal. What does Coastal do? They score eight runs and then they run rule them. They scored the final 16 runs to run rule them 19 9. So crazy. Little, Rock, Little Rock's pitching has struggled, but in that ballpark, I think it's get, it gets amplified because if you give up anything in the air, it's got a chance to go because of the dimensions. It's uh, it's just scary because you know, it wasn't too long ago we were asking if Co- what you know as as coastal started to fade is the luster off of the the chance. So, uh, it's it's man, it's just scary good. Their their weekend rotation might be the best in the league right now, and I'm saying that with respect to the Cajuns, but with yep. with Van Scooter, with Nor, and with Parker. You got three bona fide starters on that weekend, which would set you up really well for a tournament scenario. And depending on where they finish, they could get creative with some of those options. Van Scooter is just somebody that's giving you six and seven innings every time. Nor's got the mid 90s fastball as a starter, which you don't see in this league very much. And then Parker was a former number one at different parts of the last two seasons. And he's somebody that consistently goes six and seven innings as the number three which is another rarity in this league. So as, as much as they struggled at times earlier in the year, they've won 13 of their last 15. And I don't think that anybody wants to see the shot of clears in Montgomery. Well, I can tell you uh, for, for both of our teams right now, they would be on the other side of the bracket, which would be a, a, a which would be nice. But at the same time, uh, who, who, who won the uh, Troy South Alabama series? That was uh, South Al, wasn't it? Yeah, South Al took two or three. They split a doubleheader on that Friday. That was over Easter weekend, but South won the first, and then they took the the back end of that doubleheader on Friday. That's right. Okay, so right now it would be uh, Troy, mm-hmm. Louisiana, Georgia Southern on that side of the bracket with South Alabama Coastal, a matchup in the first game of, of, of that, and then Texas State. So, um you know, you think about it, and there's not a whole lot of easy games that are going to be in that tournament. That, that first day of baseball is going to be some fun baseball to sit out at the ballpark and watch. And looking at who could be in that, those could be some pretty long games, which yes. for the rest of the bracket is probably a good thing. The longer those games go, the more pitching that's got to be used, the better for everybody else that's waiting for everybody else. That first game, uh, 9 a.m. on Wednesday, would be the Cajuns and Troy as of right now. So uh, it would be nice to get our game out of the way and let and let Texas State play at about 11 o'clock at night. So, <laughs> <laughs> did I say that out loud? I, so, I, I didn't hear it. Speaking of Texas State, any I mean, four runs in the top uh, top of the ninth to beat ULM, uh, and then a, a 9-1 game on Saturday and another 5-4 game on Saturday. That, that again, paper, Texas State swept, did what they needed to do. But on paper, 
you would think though that should have been a coastal Carolina little rock series. I'll, I'll tell you what it was like for us because we didn't play Friday because of the weather. So we're watching simultaneously ULM trying to put away Texas state and maybe UT Arlington trying to come back and beat the Cajuns. So we got two impact games that would affect Georgia Southern going on at the same time, but then ULM couldn't get the outs that it needed. Texas state scores in the ninth and you know, the ball's going to Stivers in the bottom half. He ends up getting the save. And then the Cajuns walked off in game one. You had a feeling that Texas State was probably clearing a hurdle there. They got their test. They were going to win those last two games, which make, makes it tough for Georgia Southern, Louisiana, and Coastal to try to gain any ground because the Bobcats are 20-4 and four now. Ever since those two losses to Georgia Southern in that series about a month ago, Texas State's won 15 out of 17. They have been dominant on the road this year. I think they've swept four road series, which they've never done in program history. But the, the lineup is really, really good. Their pitching has been a little bit suspect lately because their number one starter, Zeke Wood, only went two and two-thirds. ULM hit him. And that's yeah. a guy that's very, very fastball heavy. And if you hit the fastball, he's not going to go to his curveball very much. It's just kind of who he is. Levi Wells was really good in game two, 10 strikeouts in six innings. And then game three, they didn't really know who they had for a while. Tony Roby was in and out of the weekend. Roby is back in. He was pretty solid, even though ULM made it interesting in the ninth. But the thing that sticks out from the box score, they brought, went back to Stivers, which he's going to throw twice a weekend most of the time. He threw 84 pitches in three innings yesterday. Wow. That was a closer throwing 84 pitches. Now he got out of it. He got his 12th save. But... I wonder what the effects of that are going to be from here forward. Well, we saw that at Georgia State, Jacob Schultz, Long Alley, uh, and then went to App State the next week. And, and talking with Jacob, he was a little, he was, I won't say tired, but he was a little rusty and, and the, he could feel the effects of the long outing is my point. And hopefully that's a good thing for the Cajuns coming in to next weekend, which we'll talk about here in the second half of that. So um, let's go ahead and move on to that. I believe our final one is Arkansas State at South Alabama. Um, you know, Arkansas State, I'm not sure what happened to them. Uh, it, it's kind of like UTA. UTA has been a, a pretty decent ball club. and But Arkansas State has just not played well this year. They struggle, and they struggle mightily away from their home. The only game they had a chance to win was yesterday. They got dominated 20-3 to combined those first two games. Yesterday, they were in it, but the, they just don't have enough pitching. Yeah. They, they've, got, they've got guys that are capable of giving you a, a little bit here and there. They, they just don't have enough pitching. Well, let's take our break, and then we'll come back, and we'll talk about the week there is because there, there's lots of midweek games I want to I want to talk to you about, and we've got the weekend coming up, and then I want to talk a little bit more about the standings in the conference tournament you're listening to we're talking craig malonson and danny reed of the georgia southern sports network we'll be right back after this quick timeout welcome back into we're talking we're talking baseball with danny reed of the georgia southern sports network danny mercer at georgia state um i know we've talked about mercer in the past they've got a good ball club decent rp uh, good rpi these are games that georgia state has to win for the conference as much as their themselves 
Yeah, selfishly, I would like to see a Georgia State victory because the Eagles have already defeated Mercer and they've defeated Georgia State in those three games. Bears actually got swept over the weekend at Western Carolina. That's a team that's right around 500 overalls. They were sub 500 in SoCon play before taking all three of those games in Cullowhee, but the record is really good, 35 and 12 for Mercer. They're still 33 in the RPI. Their at-large thoughts are probably fringy at best but they still have a chance the rest of the way. 35 has been their benchmark for a while. They've done it for the last 13 years now. But for Georgia State, having just taken a series after losing their previous nine conference games, this has got to launch them a little bit. Otherwise, they may find themselves in the play-in round because they got to go to Jonesboro this week before they host Texas State to end the season up in Panthersville. Ooh, didn't realize that. Um. Auburn at Troy. I mean, I, I don't follow other leagues as much, but I mean, Auburn is in the SEC. You know, they're they're headed over to Troy. What are and Troy just comes off of a, a big weekend of getting slapped around the baseball diamond. What need a Troy victory? It's a midweek they, game. I would guess that Bay Witcher gets the ball for Troy. He's been their midweek guy. The, the thought is that if Garrett Gaines didn't go last weekend, if they would try to get him in for maybe an inning or two against Auburn just to see if he's fresh and to see where the injury is, but I don't know that that's going to happen. It seems like it's going to be Witcher that gets the ball to try to beat the Tigers. The one thing they got to deal with that everybody has dealt with is their huge hitter, Sonny Deshera. He was at Sanford his first couple of years, but now at Auburn, he's reaching base at nearly a 700 clip this season. He's a shoe and all American, one of the nation's best power hitters. And in that ballpark, he, he could put on a show if given an opportunity, but for Troy, a game that would really help their confidence going into the final two weeks of the regular season, for sure. Arkansas state at Memphis, not a, uh, I mean, Memphis is, 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 down 216 in the RPI, uh, 21 and 24 on the season. But as a peer conference, I think that's a I think it's a game that the uh, the Red Wolves have to win for us. That's well, a little bit of revenge too, because Ark State had the lead against Memphis really early this season in a midweek. They were up in the sixth inning of that game, but lack of depth in the bullpen caused Memphis to come back and win that contest. Arkansas State is looking to get to that spot where they improve down the stretch, which they've done so many times under Tommy Raffo. You would have thought last weekend against South was a chance to do that, even though Mobile has been tough for everybody, regardless of where you are. It, to know that they only had a chance to win one of those games probably deflates them a little bit, but they've got a winnable home series with Georgia State, and then they they uh, they finish up with ULM too. So that's another one of those where that could be an elimination series where somebody that is on the wrong side may not be going to Montgomery. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tulane still uh, playing very good ball. Um, 66 in the RPI, but you know, just it was just a couple of weeks ago that, that Tulane uh, uh, went into uh, Mobile and got slapped around a little bit, eight to one. Uh, again, peer conference, if we want to prove that the, the Sun Belt deserves three teams, I think it's a, it's a must win for the, for the Jaguars for, to help out the conference. And it would look very good from the standpoint that even though Tulane's RPI is not in that large consideration, they're still one of the best teams in the American this year. Agree totally. Lastly, uh, the Cajuns had to rice for two games on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, 
again, Rice is a team that's very much down. I don't know what's going on with that program the, the last couple of years. It's a shame to see them down with their rich history of being in the College World Series and everything, and I believe a national championship. So um, I just don't know what to say. Wednesday, Georgia Southern at Georgia Tech, though. That matchup is the back end of the first home game that Georgia Southern had this year. They were coming off a sweep at Tennessee, and they were looking at a possible 0-4 start. Georgia Tech came in. They were ranked as high as number seven in one of the polls. And I still think it's Georgia Southern's most complete game of the season. They scored timely runs. They pitched well enough. They struck out 14 Tech hitters, and which is one of the best lineups in the entire country. Their catcher, Kevin Parada, leads the nation with 23 home runs. He's top three in RBIs as well. I think he's approaching 80 RBIs on the season. It, it, Midtown has not been a place that Georgia Southern has played well. They broke that 11-game losing streak to Tech with that victory back in February. A lot has changed since then. I don't know that Tech was expecting to have the worst record in that matchup when the Eagles went up there in May. But this starting a four-game road trip for the Eagles they're going to be ready for this one, knowing that they've still got a lot of business to take care of. If they can't win the league, they still need to need to pin down in that large berth. Georgia Tech 29 RPI. I'm just looking at the ACC, and I didn't realize that they were, uh, I don't know, some of them I think is self, self-fulfilling the way they, they play each other. But, uh, you know, you got 7, 8, 11, 13, 14, 18, 23, 25, 27, and then Georgia Tech at 29. <laughs> And North Carolina State at 31 before you get into the, the 50s. Good conference this year for baseball. And the thing for Tech, they had a chance to maybe lock up and at large, but they go to Clemson, a team that's been up and down maybe more than anybody else in the country this year, and they got smashed those three games. They got convincingly swept up at Doug Kingsmore. So even though Clemson's ACC record is still under 500, RPI is really good because of the competition, but the ACC record is a problem. Georgia Tech's now 12 and 15 in the ACC. So this game's not going to have any bearing on the rest of their conference season, but this is their final home game. They've got to finish up the final two weekends on the road. They have to go to Duke to try to finish. I'm sure they go to Pitt to try to finish the season. So even though Tech has the number one strength of schedule in the country, Having a 12 and 15 ACC record, if they don't win the league, probably wouldn't sit too favorably in the eyes of the committee. I agree. It's uh, it's interesting. Everybody wants to think uh, RPI is is the final word, but at the same time, I mean, you look at things and and you realize uh, if it was just RPI, Jay Walker says it a lot. If it was just RPI, they wouldn't need a committee to put teams in there. No, you would just take the top 64 teams that are listed, and that's it. So that's all you need to do. Well, I missed my tab. Here we go. This weekend, Coastal Carolina at Troy. Is that, I mean, that's going to be a battle. That's one of those that you talked about that, that where, where we're gapped up in the middle of the conference standings. Uh, and, it, you know, what do you see there though? I mean, Troy just got, beat down there's no other way to put it and coastal just gave a beat down and the trojans bounce back part of the series here troy was up three runs in game two but georgia southern came back that's been their story yesterday down eight to four coming back to win ten to nine so in in one vein you could say troy could have easily taken two of the three but 
not having Garrett Gaines affected their pitching for the rest of the weekend and the guys that they have relied on to be their best out of the bullpen. I, yesterday, the numbers looked better than what they actually threw. I didn't think Keaton Fuller got, was his best, even though he, he, his numbers looked fine. Same thing for Marquez Oates. He was the victim of a squeeze bunt that drove in the tying run. He mishandled a ball barehanded that was rolling back to him. If he makes the play and throws it home, he probably has the outs but the Eagles get the run out of it. Then Jesse Sherrill hits the go-ahead two-run double out of the reach of a diving left fielder and Trey Leonard. So it's just a small margin for error. I don't think that they pitched that well. It's easy to say when you give up 42 runs, but not having Gainis had a pretty decent impact on them. And you've got a red-hot coastal team that has been really good on the road in conference play. They swept the series at Arkansas State convincingly. They swept the series at App convincingly. And just the weekend before they came to Statesboro and took two out of three from Georgia Southern. But what I will say for Troy is that if they don't find a way to take at least two of those games, they may find themselves in that playing round. Do you see uh, Gaines coming back this year? This year, it's hard to say this weekend, possibly, but not knowing the extent of the injury, they've been trying to get him some bullpen sessions. He actually threw a bullpen session in Statesboro this weekend. And even though there was some talk that he could possibly throw that third game, I don't know if there was ever any weight to that. I think it was just a, oh, we could go back to gain us just to see, because if it was to try to win a series, then maybe. But once Georgia Southern swept the doubleheader, it probably was in their best interest to hold on to him because not only is he their best, but he's also draft eligible. So not wanting to possibly ruin his opportunities to be a high round selection. Good deal. Uh, Georgia State traveling to Arkansas State. This is uh, this is a series. Uh, if the Panthers want to make uh, a run at that and stay in that top six, I guess they need to uh, they need a victory. They need to sweep this weekend. On, on both sides, both are probably looking at this as winnable. Arkansas State is home against a Georgia State team that has lost what ten of its last twelve in conference. But if you're Georgia State, you're going to Jonesboro to face a team that is last in the league and you just won two out of three. So that that's one that I'm having a tough time with because I think it could go either way. It, it, it really depends on who can pitch. It's, it's not on who's going to score, but who's pitching can get outs and ultimately win games. How did I'm, was it one of those things that, that Georgia State pitching was just exposed from what they were doing early on? Or what or is it or are they just I mean, they I don't can, know. see game ones, they've been pretty solid with Trey Horton, and they've had to do that because Brandon Kaminer's had some arm issues, so they've had to move out of the rotation. They actually shut him down for a little bit. They've tried to reincorporate him back out of the bullpen. Mason Patel is somebody that had really good numbers coming to Statesboro. They brought him out of the bullpen in game one, but that's who they beat to take the first game of that three-game series. Somebody that over the course of his career in a midweek threw six shutout innings against Georgia Tech two years ago, so extremely capable of starting. And then the other spot, it's been a mishmash of Jones, of Landry, and not having that consistency because Kaminer had to leave the rotation has probably knocked them off a little bit. That one time they were top 25 in the RPI, and now they're nowhere near in the at-large consideration, but that is still a really scary lineup with Boynton and with Ryerson in the middle of it, with Cheney and Jones at the top of it. Still not a nine I would want to see, 
But if they can't pitch, then you can find a way to scratch runs out against them, and then you can work to their disadvantages by the time it gets to the late innings. ULM played well against uh, Texas State at home, but, I mean, they're going on the road now uh, at South Alabama. I mean, South Alabama team seems to be peaking. Is And ULM, I won't say – I mean, they haven't played bad, but they just haven't – they don't have enough to win, I guess, pitching-wise. Or am they I wrong? Have, it, it does seem like they have a set rotation now going with Barlow game one, Crescent, the former midweek guy, is going game two, and then Jan's going game three. And they all three pitched pretty well this weekend. Crescent actually went seven innings, only gave up two runs to Texas State and one of the best outings he has had. Jan's had to fight it yesterday, gave up seven hits in four innings, but only the one run. And then Texas State did some things against the rest of the bullpen, which is – it, it's got some top line guys, but they've had to start Logan Webb. He's been back and forth between starting relieving. So probably not getting the best of him out of the bullpen like they did in 2021. But the way that ULM's got to look at this, if they don't string some wins together, they're not going to be in the tournament. I, I agree with that. I mean, it's real simple. I'm not sure who they closed the season out with. And uh, they've got Arkansas state down at Warhawk field. Okay. So Winnable. Georgia Southern heading to Little Rock. Friday night, you talked about it a couple times already. What do the Eagles have to do to win, and what do, what do, what do the Trojans have to do to win? So the pessimists will say it's got trap written all over it these last two weekends because the Eagles are facing two teams that are under 200 in the RPI. Going on the road to Little Rock, a place they have not been since 2018. We have lauded the lineup all year. They can really, really hit regardless of who's pitching. They scored five in the ninth in game two, probably could have won that game, surely should have won game three, leading by six going into the fifth inning, but then giving up the last 16 runs in three innings. You see Little Rock, that's that's them. They can score, but outside of their top couple of arms, they really have trouble limiting runs. Now, with Hayden Arnold is on, you're not hitting Hayden Arnold. If you get him out of home, that's your best chance. But if the Eagles can find their approach and then let Ty Fisher do his thing in game one, game two, they've been sticking with Haas Brewer and he's been back and forth as well, starting end of the rotation midweek. He's done a little bit of everything. In fact, against ULM a couple of weeks ago, he started game two and then Chris Curry brought him back in as a reliever for game three because he only went two innings on Saturday. So he didn't throw have a lot of pitches thrown. So relatively fresh and Game three, they, they haven't been able to find that starter. They've tried Weatherly, but now he's out of the bullpen. They went with Michael Quevedo yesterday, who was okay. The thing that I noticed with their pitching, Weatherly threw all three games against Coastal. Sawyer Smallwood, who is their best option out of the pen, ERA just a little bit above two, he threw twice. They'll go with a lot of guys if they feel like they need a lot of guys, but it's a lot like Arlington they will ride their top one or two arms until they don't have arms anymore. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Um, Little Rocket, I mean, I think is a better team sometimes than what their record shows, but at the same time, I, I, I don't think they're that good. I mean, if that makes sense. The fact that they can hit like they do, especially at home where the ball jumps, I have not been to Gary Hogan Field since 2018 and only played two games out there that weekend. There was a hailstorm in game one, so they ended up only playing the two games. They couldn't get a third one in. 
knowing how the ball flies there, you're it's it's not quite as bad as Conway. Conway is a true launching pad. Little Rock is similar, but knowing that it's going to be the middle of May and a little bit warmer, I'm sure the ball is going to have the ability to jump a little bit better. And Little Rock's going to be looking at a George Southern team that's coming in number five in the RPI and might not be there after the Wednesday game against Georgia Tech. We'll have to see how that goes. And defensively, Little Rock has not been very good this year. Eldridge Figueroa has moved from shortstop to second base. He has 16 errors, which is second most in the league behind Coastal's Eric Brown. Jordan Hussein, who was their second baseman last year and earlier this year, is now playing full-time shortstop. So their defense and their pitching has had issues. But if, if they score a lot, then they can mitigate some of that. And the fact that they're at home. If Hayden Arnold doesn't give them a solid outing on Friday. It is very tough for them to win, but I would fully expect that Arnold has his best stuff ready to go when the Eagles are out there. I just, I just have that feeling. Gotcha. Lastly, uh, Cajun's heading to Texas state. Um, all right, give us the winning recipe. You guys took two out of three from Texas state. What do we, what do the Cajuns need to do to win? Uh, I got to get to their pitching. The, the top two starters are very good. You'll see wood. You'll see, wells and as far as a one-two punch that may be the best in the league there are some teams that have the one-two everybody has a one most have a one-two hardly anybody has a one-two-three it's probably the cajuns and coastal that have a true one-two-three but if you find a way to get to their starters outside of dixon and stivers in the bullpen there's not a whole lot of depth I would anticipate you see Stivers for at least two of those games because that's been Stephen Trout's recipe. You get him in for game one to probably save the close game. You get him in for game three to ride him for as many innings as he needs to. With Stivers, if you can hit the slider, you can hit Stivers because that's what the Eagles did both of those games that weekend. Defensively, very, very good, especially on the left side of the infield. Dalton Shuffield, the shortstop, can get to everything. Justin Thompson will lay out to get to anything that he needs to. And then Dalen Pena, the true freshman first baseman, more known as a hitter. His defense has gotten a lot better over the last month of the season. Outfield, they play in a park where there are big dimensions, so they know how to track the ball. I don't think their outfield defense is that good, though, because they do use a number of guys in those three spots. John Wuthridge, who is now the right fielder, he can really slug, but big old hole in that swing, so he is susceptible to strikeouts. They didn't do great handling Georgia Southern's bunt game, and that should perk Cajun ears up pretty significantly. Now, yeah. how it's going to go this weekend, I just don't know, considering it's in San Marcos, but both fields are turf. However, this is a monster series for not just you two teams, but for everybody else in that top seven who's looking to gain a little bit of ground, especially the Cajuns who could do it directly if they, if they can win a couple. It's going to be very hot, hot there in Texas this weekend. And uh, the heat, heat wise, and and hopefully baseball wise too. Um, I, I'm looking forward. I'm making the trip, so I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing it. I, I enjoy the trips to San Marcos. Uh, fun little town. Good food there. So, um, let's talk real quick, if you don't mind, before we end today. Let's just talk about the tournament right now. If it ended today, Troy and the Cajuns uh, on, on Wednesday, uh, I'm sorry, look, going back to the single elimination game to start the tournament, ULM and Georgia State, um, and, and it's it, 
I guess it's weird to hear Georgia State because we talked about them so much early on in the season when conference play started about how good they were playing, and now they're 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 looking at the uh, elimination game. Um, uh, it, it, it's very tough to pick the elimination games because you don't know who teams are going to start. Because some yeah. will just say, "I'm going to throw my guy and get through it." Or some will say, I'm going to throw my midweek guy, try to outscore you. That way I've got my guy for double elimination. Because if you throw your guy to get through, then you're not going to have your guy unless you have to play a Sunday game. So that's the that's the give and the take of that spot. And I think we've talked about it before because, uh, to me, if you're coming there, you're coming to win the tournament. That's the only way you're getting into the NCAA regional. And if yep. you throw your guy on the first day, you're not going to get to an NCAA regional because you're not going to get out of the, the double elimination side of it. You so, wouldn't think so. Um, but it, any surprises so far in the standings that, that you would think? I mean, I know there's there's still six six uh, conference games left to play, so a lot of baseball left to be played. But any surprises where, where people are sitting right now? Maybe South Alabama trying to avoid being in the play-in, but having lost Jeremy Lee for the year and with Miles Smith dealing with his elbow issues, he is back in now and throwing mostly long relief, especially on Fridays after Boswell. The way the Georgia State started, I expected a little bit more, but they've really struggled to maintain that hot start after being 10-2. and two. I, I thought that ULM would be a little bit higher than where they are, considering how well they played down the stretch last year and seeing how that roster is so, so similar from 2021. But then you say, well, this year's not last year, last year's not this year, whatever. Looking at Texas State being as good as they are, it, it's it's refreshing because they've had the talent. Year one under Stephen Trout, they were cooking 14-4 and four before the COVID shutdown. And then last year they were the preseason favorite and they won 21 games. Yeah. But now they're 20 and four in conference. They're about to set the school record for victories in a single season. They're on the verge of winning another regular season. Granted, the Cajuns could directly help Georgia Southern's case to try to catch them and their own case to catch Texas State this weekend. But I think these next two weekends of regular season and the tournament, there's a clear separation between top four and the rest, but also middle three and the bottom portion but you're going to find out what a lot of teams are really made of. There might only be a few teams that have a chance to win it this year, whereas last year maybe everybody had a case. But this year you're really going to find what the bottom part of the league is made of as we head towards the tournament. Do you think after this weekend it will become any clearer or will it just stay or will we stay kind of jumbled up? I the, the top four is still going to be the top four. I don't see a whole lot of movement that's going to take place with Cajuns, Georgia Southern, Texas State, and Coastal. But where they are is largely dependent on if the Eagles can back themselves up by handling a series they need to at Little Rock, if Coastal stays hot at Troy, and what the Cajuns do or do not do in San Marcos, because that's one of the bigger series the entire season. I agree. I love that it's uh, it's kind of it's at, towards the end. I'm glad it's not the last weekend before uh, the tournament. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know that old saying: if you're scared, say you're scared. I like the fact that we're, that we're we're having to play over there, and uh, it, it 
it, I think all three teams, Texas State, Georgia Southern, and, and the Cajuns, well, even Coastal for the – Coastal's a little bit out, further out of it, four games back, but they all kind of control their own destiny. If they take care of their business, it doesn't matter what the rest of them do. And considering, especially for the Cajuns and for Coastal, if the league is going to get three teams, I know that Coastal's up to 45 in the RPI, Cajuns slipping to 53, but still two teams that are in the discussion – handling business to improve the RPI or at least do everything you can to improve the RPI. If you don't win the league, that's all you can do. It's up to the computers to say who's going to end up where when Monday rolls around after the tournament. I do still think that this league has a chance to get three. It seems like they're going to get two in some way. I don't know which two, but it seems like Texas state is going to be one of them. And then whoever the second one is, it's going to be one of the three. I would think. But as far as who it is, I still think the three is possible. But you've got time to make that true. Well, the strength of schedule for uh, some L conference teams is five out of the conferences, all the conferences. So I think it says what the what the, I think it says a lot to what the uh, our conference mates have done, and in including Georgia Southern playing and the Cajuns playing tough schedules to help help each other out and I think and we're, we're reaping the reward of that and I hope teams continue to do that going forward so and I would argue that this kind of schedule setup is what the league needed after last year where you knew that you're only getting one have not had multiple teams get in since 2018 haven't had three teams get in in almost a decade but you needed a year like this to reestablish Sunbelt baseball especially with our new friends that are joining the league next year that are not only going to make for some awesome weekends of baseball, but also could immediately say, okay, the Sun Belt is absolutely getting at minimum three teams in the tournament going forward. I, I was going to bring them up. I mean, you look at uh, Southern Miss with 15 on their RPI and Old Dominion at 41. Uh, not bad baseball coming in here. I think, I think we, we got something to look forward to, Danny. And that is music to these ears. I cannot wait. Yes. Well, Danny, thank you so much. Unless you have any other words of wisdom for us, uh, I will let you go for the for the day. But I see you cringing on the screen. <laughs> words of wisdom. That sounds like I need to be philosophical. Well, okay, you're making the trip to San Marcos. Yes, sir. Okay, make sure you go to the tap room and get a queso burger. Tap room and a queso burger. I think or it actually might be a guac queso burger, but it is out of this world. You will need a full roll of paper towels, but it is right, right part of their downtown, not too far away from campus. Hole in the wall, but great, great place. Great burger. Well, I'll actually have my car there, so I'll, I will control where I eat. So uh, queso burger. All right. That is words of wisdom. I like that. <laughs> When you can get food and baseball into a conversation, it's a good day. <laughs> the only thing we didn't talk about was bourbon. So that'll be uh, after the season, especially exactly. if you go to the regional. <laughs> exactly. Well, Danny, thank you so much. I appreciate it as always. We will talk to you next week. Um, you're listening to We're Talking. Craig Malosa and Danny Reed of the Georgia Southern Sports Network. We'll talk to you later. Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it. Share it. Put it in your podcast. 
broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. 